Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you've got a small business started, you're selling locally or at farmer's markets, then the Ready for Retail online course is for you. From packaging to UPC codes to determining your proper wholesale price, Ready for Retail has all the information you need to be selling in stores. More details available at kitchen2shelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. What you need to know to grow. Hi, I'm Steve Clear. And today I, we are going through another super podcast. Today I have a, a couple on who are co-founders of The Honest Stand, which you may have heard about. So Alexandra Caroni and Jeremy Day, they met in 2009 while in college. In 2010, Alex was diagnosed with celiac disease and a dairy allergy, a diagnosis that led friends to pay closer attention to what ingredients are all in their favorite foods. Alex and Jeremy wanted to do better for themselves and their community. And so with the help of Alex's mom, they created a totally dairy-free, gluten-free, cheese-style dip, perfect for making mac and cheese. While their dip recipe was created out of necessity, the two are passionate about helping others, offering plant-based versions of favorite indulgent foods. And welcome to the program, Alexandra and Jeremy. Thanks, Steve. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Steve. So, hey, hey, YouTube, this is, this is, so this has got a whole kind of fairy tale story to it and whatever else. Um, I, I want to learn about how you guys obviously started this, whatever. You were in college. What were you guys studying in college when you launched this thing? Um, I, uh, Jeremy here, and I was studying communication rhetoric and leadership theories. <laughs> that was my undergrad. And then in going into grad school, I got my international MBA and a master's in global trade and finance. That was a 180 degree turn. <laughs> yes, it was. Jeremy makes it sound like he was actually studying, but we went to college at the University of San Diego. So I think we were mainly studying how to hang out at the beach and go surfing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we lived right on the beach, uh, and we both happened to to have houses down the beach from each other, and spent a lot of time waking up and be like, are we going to class? Are we going surfing? No, nah, we got to go to class. We got to do it. <laughs> and that and that's good. I mean, you know, you, you have to, you know, we, we all had to have those times. That's very, very important in, you know, in doing it. But um, Jeremy, so the, like a lot of folks that are in the industry, Part of this starts off with a personal medical challenge and relationship to food. Can you talk a little bit about that? How'd you, how'd you figure out that celiacs was the bad guy? Alex, I'll let you dive into this. Uh, Alex is actually the one with, with celiac. I'm, I am lactose intolerant, and she's the one that has a little bit more of a I'm sorry, Alex. I'm sorry. My fault. Yes. Okay. Alex, you dive in on this. Yeah, no problem. Um, I was diagnosed with celiac in 2010. My mom actually has it. So um, it was suspected when I was around 18 or 19. And, you know, at the time, I was a college kid. I hadn't historically paid a ton of attention towards what I was eating. But um, when that came through, I had to get really diligent about reading the ingredient labels on pretty much everything I was buying just to right. make sure it was gluten-free. 
you know, at that time, the big gluten-free, certified gluten-free symbol and logo was not a thing on pack. So you had to just really read yep. the ingredients of everything you were eating. And Jeremy and I started doing that together as we did our grocery shopping and realized how much junk was in a lot of the packaged food that we were buying. And, uh, you know, wanted to cut that out of our diets, clear it out and do so without sacrificing on taste or the fun and joy that comes with eating some of your, you know, your favorite comfort food meals like macaroni and cheese and nachos. Uh, so we came up with this product, a totally gluten-free, dairy-free, cheese-style dip that was made from just organic veggies and nuts. And, you know, we both loved it and could barely tell the difference between that and a, a regular classic mac and cheese sauce and soon discovered that our family and friends felt the same way. And so one summer we decided to try selling it at a farmer's market. <laughs> there you go. And that's, that starts down the slippery slope, right? Other people start doing it. Um, yeah, Totally. So did you, I mean, starting at the farmer's market, was that out of a, um, a need to want to share with others as opposed to a dream of a food business or had you hatched the idea that this might actually be able to, to be a business? <laughs> Absolutely. Just a desire to share. We, as Jeremy mentioned, his background completely unrelated to food. Mine is as well. I did my undergrad in psychology and my master's was in social work. Um, so completely out of left field to now both be running a natural foods company. We, uh, we just love the product and we were excited to share it. We were in between years at grad school, internships were done for the summer. Um, we thought, you know, it would be such a fun way to just connect with our local community out here and be able to share something that had brought us a lot of joy and, and see what other people thought about it. And it turned out that we were selling out every weekend and soon some local stores were asking to carry the product because they were hearing about it from customers who had tried it at the farmer's market. And um, it really organically turned into a business, just putting one foot in front of the other. All of a sudden it was like, whoa, I, I guess that we're running food business now out of grad school instead of going on to our respective completely unrelated careers. Yeah. And, uh, and Jeremy, what's your version of that story? That is the story there. There's a, another part of it that I would add in of, you know, as, as we, you know, this product came to light in our kitchens and friends and family tried it, there was not just the, the practical path that Alex just talked about, but there was also, also this ethos and this feeling that came from this product in which that we ultimately wanted to share. The, you know, the, the parts about macaroni and cheese and loaded nachos like that, that everyone kind of resonates with is that there, there's this indulgence, this joy that kind of comes with it. Like, you know, the dairy versions, we all know it's like there's, there's that negative impact to the body, but we're willing to set it aside because of how much joy it brings us. And, and so we, with, there's that weight of analysis there and prioritizing of joy of indulgence and the impact it has on your body. And, and I, and I know that obviously this is an audio podcast, so you can't see how I'm weighing that out in my hands uh, <laughs> as a visual, but there's, there is that, that scale there and there needs to be an outweighing of, of that indulgence and that joy from the impact it has on your body. And for Alex and I, dairy and, and gluten have a pretty severe impact on our body as a lot of our society experiences. And so that started to outweigh that indulgence and joy. But it was something in which that from an experience in that emotional aspect that we were receiving from that macaroni and cheese and loaded nachos that we didn't want to sacrifice on. 
we did not want to compromise on giving up that joy. And so we've started to look at ways in which that we could find other combinations of ingredients to be able to bring that level of joy for us personally. And when we realize how much joy that brings us, families and friends, then jumps into that story that Alex obviously goes into the farmer's markets. And that's where the product went. And that's where all of a sudden we have a natural food company. But it all comes from that desire to give people that level of joy and indulgence and make sure they don't have to sacrifice on their health or principles. It's a great thing to great thing to share, right? So, all right. So we're at farmer's markets and rolling out. Now, at this point, you guys are making this in a kitchen somewhere, right? And, you know, you're able to sell out and it's fine and whatever. Where do we jump from the farmer's market to, hey, maybe we're going to put this stuff in a store somewhere? For sure. Um, so it started in 2016. And we, the farmer's market had uh, gotten some attention from local retailers. And we were asked to start piloting in some local retailers. And, and with that, we, uh, another local brand we were friends with, they, they took some of the product to our local Whole, Fo- Whole, sorry, local Whole Foods region. And so we, we had started to, to get some sort of reputation at the farmer's markets and within some of the local buyers. And so we had the, the fortunate opportunity to start going store to store with Whole Foods and natural grocers in 2016 and just selling it to every store. And so that was the juncture in which that we went from farmer's markets to doing grocery store. And it was literally just Alex and I selling from a cooler to the store, going in there with a a product, you know, jar of our product and a bag of chips and saying, taste this. You won't believe that it's not dairy. You'll love it. And we went from zero to 60 stores in a matter of, uh, I think it was four months. And it was just literally us going door to door. Okay, so kids out there, uh, these are professionals. Don't expect that your brand is going to go from the farmer's market to Whole Foods in one, uh, one shot. So, but no, but that's great that you guys are able to do that. And obviously, yes. quality, quality of the product speaks to the fact that they would do that. And, um, you know, you, you know, you're able to accomplish a lot um, by that. What, um, okay, so all of a sudden now you're selling in Whole Foods and you wake mm-hmm. up one day and you go, okay, I have a natural foods business. Um, what did you guys do? And I suppose we should start back actually a little bit, which is you're working together. This is now a project, the two of you together. You're also a couple. How do you balance that? Did you balance that? Uh, did you put up Chinese walls in between things or how, how'd you guys handle that, that growth? And what was it like? Uh, I'll, I'll take a stab at this one. Sure. <laughs> um, so this is this is something that was a a journey from both personal and professional for Alex and I, in which that has evolved. And so Alex and I did start this company as a couple, and we we are not a couple now, and we have not been a couple for going on almost four years. And oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it's been a while, and that was. Obviously, we've you know, we've run the company for you know, years now and growing it to what it is now, and it was Alex and my decision to you know to start the company together and also in that juncture to no longer be a couple was there was one thing in which characteristically pulled through to both of those circumstances that ultimately Alex and I respect each other and love each other in many capacities as friends. There was obviously a romantic aspect to that for a long time, 
And we always wanted to challenge each other to grow, better understand yourself, and better you know, grow into who you want to be. And one of the things that we have you know, from our personal lives into our professional lives is that we wanted to ensure the fact that we did not compromise on the things that we wanted in our lives. And from the business, that stemmed from we wanted to have this macaroni and cheese and this, this plant-based nachos, but without the dairy. We weren't going to compromise on that. And as we continued to grow as individuals separately, and we both realized that there are aspects in which that we both wanted from a romantic relationship that either of us, we didn't really want from that other person in a romantic capacity. And understanding and respecting that people do grow apart and do grow in different directions and want yes. different things at Junctures of Life. We were, that was an aspect in which that we were supportive of, of each other in that and wanting to continue to grow in finding what was fulfilling from a romantic capacity. And so like our product, we didn't want to compromise in our, in our romantic lives, but we still love and support each other in, in every day of, of, our, of our professional <laughs> and now friendship. And doing uh, a great job with each other as well. No, so, all right, Alex, you get to have your take on this. What really happened? <laughs> I mean, man, Jeremy said that beautifully. The dirt. Let's go me. for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? He's going to make me cry. He said that so perfectly. I think, uh, uh, you know, he nailed it. There, there was a point for us where we realized we just weren't the right fit for each other to achieve the goals we wanted in our personal romantic lives, um, and that we perform better as best friends and business partners, and to this day, that's true. He's, he's my best friend, and uh, it's funny. <laughs> this apparently isn't a super common situation, so you can imagine as we've each dated other people and um, made new friends and potential business relationships, investors, of course, this comes up, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I spend like 65 hours a week working with my ex fiance, <laughs> but people are like what it's like, well, no. you know, he's just my best friend and um, we work incredibly well together as a team and our like Jeremy said, we're always there to help encourage each other in both our personal and professional growth and um, I I'm just really grateful that we've been able to continue running the company together as we have and I hope that that you know serves as a great example for people in business with co-founder relationships and you know folks just in their personal right. lives as well that these there, can go on there are i mean yeah and kudos to you guys for being able to pull that off because um there are a, a number of, it's not uncommon at all to have uh, you know co-founders who are are couples mm -hmm. uh it's very uncommon for them to both remain in the business and remain friends getting it done. I mean, in fact, I, I can go through in a number of, and I can think of one that actually has <laughs> managed to, to pull that off. But part, part of how they pulled that off actually was, is that there was very definitely a marketing creative person in the mix. Mm. And there was a numbers operations person in the mix. <laughs> yes. And right. So, so they were, you know, from day one, there had been a, you know, division of responsibility. And the division responsibility maybe golfed a little bit more, but, but it basically stayed the same and they were able to work it out that way. So, but you guys, you mix that a little more, right? In terms of marketing and production and all that. I mean, that's. I right. would say, 
Yes and no. Our okay. lines are defined a little differently, but basically the same concept you talked about. We absolutely each excel in different areas and have segregated the business accordingly. Um, so I tend to be a little more nitty gritty focused and also creative. So I oversee operations and marketing. Jeremy is way more extroverted than I am and also much better with numbers. So he oversees all of sales and finance. <laughs> that, that, that works out. That works out for sure. Jeremy, so yeah, is that, do you feel that's a, a good division of the responsibilities or? Oh yeah, that's exactly how it operates. <laughs> and it has been for a while, yeah. It, it became pretty clear early on in the days when we were doing, as Jeremy said, going door to door selling products in and we both would go and I would sit in the car shaking, terrified to go randomly talk to a strange buyer. And Jeremy was in every store, you know, in and out, in and out, busting it out, getting sales, getting our product into new stores that he was better suited for the extroverted sales life than I was. And it, 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 those things, I think, fall naturally too in, in, um, uh, my last agency, my my partner in in that agency, you know, we used to joke about the fact that you know partnerships are like marriages. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, they're worse because we really <laughs> probably spent more waking time with each other than we did with either of our wives, you know. So for for the good or the bad, but oh, you totally. have to figure out, yeah, how to divide those things. And in the beginning. You know, there's a lot of responsibility kind of, you know, looking over each other's shoulder and this, that, and the other. But then after a while, it just naturally kind of, you know, if it works, it naturally falls out to the, oh, yeah, I don't have to bother with that because I know he's going to take care of it. You know, not a, not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, you're, again, in building a business, go back Whole Foods. Uh, so, where did you guys begin to, did you begin to think maybe we need to take this bigger? Did you look at it on a regional basis? Did you want to add new products? What was your growth strategy? Yeah, so as we continued to you know, go through this, this realization of, all right, we have something that people love and brings them joy. That was the, the, the first step of the pathway. Right. Then going to, well, we could bring people more joy by giving it to our local Whole Foods and natural grocers. All right. Next thing you know, there's there, you know, we could get into some more regions of Whole Foods and there's other retailers asking. And so as we continue to, you know, to go from our, you know, our local Whole Foods to now we're in, uh, we're National Sprouts, we're launching Target, we're, we have certain divisions of Kroger. Yes. The Safeway, and we have a, pretty substantial footprint. Um, but it, I think what that, like the footprint is, is really just a, a uh, I would say a result of ultimately, you know, going back to that original founding of, we saw a need for our own dietary restrictions and in, in necessity for joy and products and indulgence. We saw that other people wanted that. And now we just had the opportunity to expand upon that. And that has been our, you know, our, our ethos. Uh, right, going forward. But strategically, it has been, let's find certain accounts from a natural sector, or sorry, in the natural sector, we, you know, we got to make sure that the, the natural accounts own our product. And being the fact that when we started the company, that natural was where this type of product concept was best suited. Now, we're in a different era. You know, back when we started the company, plant-based was something that that term was was just just starting to 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 be become known. 
plant-based was not the term you used for products like ours. It was vegan. Right. It was just vegan yeah, products. Yeah, vegan. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of folks, when you thought of vegan products, you're like, ooh, I'm not sure if I really want to try that. What, what was it? What? I'm sorry. What, what do you want me to try? <laughs> this is a, a, a vegan cheese. And, and so as we, we step into fast forward to like the last year and where plant-based has grown and there's been so much emphasis around the, the idea in which that we've brought forth of you can have that indulgence joy with also having your plant-based ingredients. And so our strategy has also evolved as the time has evolved and the environment and the macro trends have evolved. So natural is still a, a strong focus for us and, and will always be a strong focus for us. But there's also key conventional retailers, as you just heard in that name that I listed, that list that I named off, there are key conventional grocers in which that we believe if we want to fulfill that mission and that dream that we have to bring people indulgent, healthy, plant-based foods at an economical price, a price in which that is accessible, we can't just keep it within natural. It will continue to grow and evolve into those right. conventional accounts in which that can give that footprint further outside of the you know, 15 to 2,000 stores that are in, in the natural and specialty sector. So our, our uh, channel strategy has evolved as obviously the landscape has evolved. And great tasting, healthy food should not be just limited to affluent people. So, hundred percent agree. Right, and that's, that's where that's what we want to do. Part that is important to us. Yeah, I, and, and you pointed out, Jeremy, too, the 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 plant based as opposed to vegan, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and how that sort of morphed. And I think th this morning I was looking at Food Dive, and I think the headline was Nestle states plant based is their future. And I went. Excuse me, is that is that the same Nestle that I know? Holy mackerel, that's pretty amazing. So yeah, that clearly that's all you know evolving and, and going through and, and, and doing it. Um, let me ask you about the honest stand. Where's the name derived from? Alex, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, this was my original idea. Um, it, you know, it came because we started as a literal stand at a farmer's market. So it was kind of a play on our actual stand and our very first product label was just a brown craft paper label that had a drawing of a stand on it with a little sign that said the honest stand. Um, and, you know, it's twofold because we were an actual stand and also because we were trying to take a stand for a different way of making food, right? Um, clean ingredients, organic, no gums, binders, fillers, and all, as Jeremy has said, without sacrificing on taste or enjoyment of the product. Like this is something you want to eat just because it's fun and it's great. It's not something that you need to tell yourself you should eat because it's healthy or it's vegan <laughs> or it's plant-based, right? Um, so just taking a stand for a clean ingredient food that people can really enjoy and get behind. So... So um, tell us a little bit real quick about the line of products and also the website if people don't happen to be near a Sprouts or a Safeway at this moment. Sure. So our current lineup, we've got um, two flavors that are nacho varieties, a mild nacho and a spicy nacho. Those are two of our best sellers. We just released two brand new flavors, a Sriracha Ranch and a Buffalo yeah. Blue, which we are super excited about. The Sriracha Ranch is now the favorite at our facility. Every time we run it, everyone's asking how many they can take <laughs> home. 
And then we also have some that are really great for meals. We have a cheddar style dip, a smoked cheddar style dip, and a garlic parm dip, which are awesome for things like mac and cheese, um, you know, white pasta, white pizza, putting on veggie burgers or sandwiches. And all seven of those are available on our website in addition to stores. Um, We do ship directly to all over the U.S. It is a refrigerated product, um, but we do our best to keep it as affordable as possible so that folks that don't have a store near them carrying our product can still try, try them out. Excellent. And you and definitely, definitely should do that. Now, I, I know that you guys recently went through some, um, some reformulations, rebranding or whatever, and or maybe not recently, but you went through that process. How did that come about and how big a you know, challenge was that? Oh, you want me to take that or would you like to? All right, I'll take a stab at it. Um, so, uh, Steve, as you said, we just went through a, a brand refresh and also formula refreshes. And ultimately, our, our branding and our formulas, how they were, they were great. They, you know, they, they obviously, the, the branding in which that we had, the crest, that color slash, it's what's defined, defined us in the past and got us where we are. As we noted just about Alex, my character earlier, is that compromise is not something in which that we particularly, you know, take on as characteristic of ours. And so as we, we continue to um, play with new ingredients and try to improve our formulas, we found ways in which that we could provide a better product for people. Uh, the products have done well in marketplace. They've obviously got us where we are, but we wanted to be able to, to challenge the marketplace to continuously improve, innovate, and do better. And we have to lead by example on that. Right. So the, the product, the formula refresh came from, from that, that rhetoric and that, that meaning. The brand refresh, as we were growing and we were learning more about what our customers use the product for and the emotions that they had from the product, and also while we were watching the evolution of plant-based products, we saw an opportunity to, to move our our branding from this very serious, um, let's call it in like a, a strong and in, in you know the crest in which it has that that brand serious or like you know Eastern European serious to it to more of a playful, joyful branding. And so the way in which that that the the original branding came to suit was when, as we said, when plant based and vegan first came to market, it was something in which that was not really widely adopted. And so there was a level right. of needing to show the seriousness of those products to the consumer base. And so that branding represented that. But we didn't take it too seriously. Instead of having uh, lions on the crest, we had dogs. Instead of having you know, <laughs> uh, crowns and jewels, we had a bunch of vegetables. But we, we still wanted to show the fact that like, this is something in which that people should take seriously. And by the way, we should eat more plants because it's better for the environment and better for our body. Right. But as plant-based continued to evolve, the evolution of the consumer adoption, it was no longer of needing the seriousness around plant-based products, but more so there was so much options that like, we should all be celebrating how many options and flavor profiles there are around plant-based. And that is where we wanted to shift the brand as well. No longer from this seriousness of like, you guys should, should eat plants because it's good for the planet and good for health. So no more shooting, but instead of the celebratory nature of, 
and there's such an abundance of amazing flavors, not just within the honest stand, but you know, uh, Oatly to Beyond Burger to you know, Miyoko's, like there's so many great plant-based innovators and humbled the fact that like we get to build this, the, the plant-based movement with them. But there's just so many great flavors and we wanted our branding and to represent that emotional power around the excitement. Right. Right. And yeah, and that, that really works from a, you know, again, a, a growth standpoint, because I think there's a wider, obviously wider audience out there for that. And you don't have to be a vegan. You don't have to be reading labels to totally. enjoy a great tasting, you know, a great tasting product. Um, you guys have also obviously from the beginning uh, in growing the business, uh, put together a, a team. Um, and I know we mentioned that a few of them have been around with you since the beginning and stuff. Can you share for, to fellow entrepreneurs, kind of what are the keystones of building that team and how you, how you keep it going with your same enthusiasm? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think this is really twofold in how Jeremy and I have approached this. One is, wanting to create a really strong work culture that encourages people to stick around. And that includes helping facilitate their growth and, and progression through their careers, getting them the resources that they need to continue to develop. And the other is hiring people who know all the stuff that Jeremy and I don't know. So being continuously and constantly humble about what we don't know so we can bring in team members um, who can help us in all of our blind spots. So, like you mentioned, Steve, we have a handful of folks now that have been with us from between one and over three years at this point, from folks that started as line team members and are now managers over whole departments in our company, um, to others who started as convertible note investors and are now running entire <laughs> departments of our company. So yeah. it's, really, it's really exciting to you know build a team and a culture that people want to be a part of. Um, they want to join, they get excited about, they can rally behind and at the same time, you know, constantly as we continue to grow and develop and identify blind spots within the business and within Jeremy and my knowledge and experience, looking for talent who can help fill those holes and, you know, really concentrating on bringing them in and turning over what needs to be turned over without getting in their way. Um, I think that humility is really important as well. There, there is, I think, sometimes a, a uh, part of founder or founders who have to grapple with that concept that you just described, Alex, which is that ability to let somebody else, you know, manage and or take over. Because, you know, in, in the beginning when you're doing everything yourself, um, that's what you're doing and you're very comfortable with that. And usually what happens with either with couples or with single founders is that as your sales stuff begins to grow, so does your production, and they kind of go pull in opposite directions, and all of a sudden, the 24 hours that were in the day are just, there's just not enough, and so we can't grow unless we somehow are able to, you know, put together a team and, um, you know, and, and entrust people to do stuff, so it's great. You guys have been been able to, uh, been able to do that. Um, so, I wanted to ask guys, because we, we do this as torture for our guests uh, to thank them for being on the show. Um, we wanted to ask about the, the single largest challenge that you guys have faced. And, and I, I'll be fair about this. And you both can take a separate one if you want, uh, or you can do it as, uh, you know, as a team. It's fine. Um, but, you know, you in the business, what was it that sticks out in your mind going back and how did you, how did you get over it? 
let Alex give a give the the first go at that. <laughs> sure. So you know, I, I definitely have a specific moment in mind, but it also relates to a general concept. The specific moment for me is. Um, let's see, winter 2018. And we had uh, just started fulfilling orders for our biggest customer. And it was insane. Their orders came in way over forecast, which is amazing for the business and really tough on the whole team. We were yes. all pulling often 18 to 24 hour days. There were nights where we didn't go home at all. We just stayed at the facility. We were cranking out product. It was over Christmas and we tried to go home for Christmas break and ended up having to come back early so we could get product out the door. Um, so that stands out in my mind as a really personally <laughs> challenging time where I frankly was just, I was hitting a wall and getting burnt out on how much I was working. And um, that that's what speaks to the larger concept of hardest moment for me. And I think biggest lesson is how to survive and overcome burnout as an entrepreneur, it's tough. Like to be successful, I think you have to be really willing to grind and hustle. And of course, you're always trying to work smarter, not harder. But sometimes it still means yep. you're grinding out super, super long days. It's mentally taxing. You know, the weight of being at the helm of the ship and being responsible for you know other individuals' incomes and livelihoods like that gets heavy and you never really get to clock out. Um, and so I think for me, what, what saved me the most is Jeremy. And I recognize that not everyone has a co-founder and for those people hats off because that is all the extra weight on you. And in that sense, I think mentors and advisors can become that counterpart that's really important, but having somebody to depend on, to lean on, to, to be your cheerleader and keep you going, you know, for Jeremy and I, we always tend to hit that point at different times so we can pull each other right. out of it. You know, right. hey, keep going. We've got this. Look at how far we've come. Look at what we've achieved. Practically providing respite, right? Hey, let me cover this for the next day. You go sleep for 24 hours. You go get a massage, right? Whatever it is you need, having both that cheerleading, that practical support, and sometimes the tough love of like, hey, this sucks, but you need to snap out of it because we're in it to win it and, and nothing's going to change in the next two weeks, you know? So um, for yep. me, I think that that's been the hardest aspect. If you're, you know, if you're coming to this life from a regular nine to five or from school, like this is a whole different ball game in terms of the hours and the mental and emotional toll that's going to come upon you. So finding things for yourself that can help you pull out of burnout, having somebody else to count on, be it a co-founder or a mentor or advisor, or, you know, even just a friend, someone in your life that can relate and be there for you. Um, I think those are just super important learnings to keep in mind as you go through this adventure. And a great thing to, a great thing to share as well. Yes. Yeah. That, that makes a, <laughs> uh, it makes a big difference, you know, putting it, putting it together and, and keeping it together. And that's, you know, a good thing. So uh, Jeremy, is that, is that good with you? Are you? Yeah. I think that that is like Alex covered 99% of how I feel about that as well. I think, you know, burnout is definitely the, you know, it is the largest risk, frankly, to your company is, in, you know, if you have the right product and you have traction, if you, if you don't understand how to keep yourself charged and, and what, what is your why and why you keep going and right. have the 
aside from just the why, the community to support you in it, it becomes, it's the probabilities of success dwindle quickly. Right. And, and, and success can be as much of a toll, you know, as, you know, toward burnout because just trying to keep up with the success. Oh yeah. And I, absolutely that fear of, you know, as you continue to grow and you get more success and it's like, there's more workload, there's the fear that you know, the burnout with that. And it's, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, the largest advice that I could give to that is, uh, one, as Alex said, build your community and that community will help you selfishly. They'll help you be able to, in those points where you're struggling, be able to make it through, whether it's something logistically or something emotionally. Right. And then second, like it's so much more fun to celebrate the wins with those people that have like that have gone through the trenches a little bit with you. Yep. And so having those folks with you, like when it comes point to a win, that celebration is what recharges you. And having that celebration with other folks, I, I, I would say it recharges you even more. So that's the first point of advice that I would give. Second is really making sure to set boundaries with yourself and also with you know, the expectations yep. and boundaries with your team of when you know you need to go recharge and hopefully you know what recharges you, you need to set those boundaries that you're going to go do that. Obviously, you know, as Alex said, there's, there are clocking out isn't always an option. And so I can't right. tell you how many times, you know, we've, we've run 24 hour shifts at some points and then, you know, Alex and I have gotten calls at 2am where we have to come in, but you need to set clear expectations of when those triggers happen. And so that you can ensure yourself and have that subconscious assurance that that will only come into effect those extreme circumstances under those extreme necessities. And otherwise you get your time to go recharge so that you can be the best version of yourself for you, for your team, for your investors, and for your customers. You're not the best version of yourself. It's going to be hard to be able to build a best version of your company. Absolutely. No, that's a great advice during great counsel. Really appreciate it. And I, I appreciate actually the time for both you guys today because um, I, I know you're busy and uh, we, we know how these companies run and you're, you're talking to fellow people who are probably listening to listening to you doing production. We have that happen a lot. <laughs> so that's really good. But, you know, thanks to both of you for, uh, for coming on and, uh, and talking with us. And we hope to have you back on the program again uh, a little further down the line to talk about some more great stuff from The Honest Stand. Love to be back. And thanks for the opportunity. Love being no able problem. to do as much as possible. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much, Steve. Great chatting with you. And hey, folks, by the way, thanks to everybody out there for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. Our podcast brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of courses, workshops, webinars, group, and one-on-one -on -one coaching for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more, check out the details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two shelf.com. What you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.